Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, September 14th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls in this hour around 1115-602-260-1060 is the number. We talked a lot about college football in the previous hour. In addition to that, Bob had a conversation going around college football with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. If you missed any of that interview from the 9 o'clock hour, you can podcast over at kdos1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app. And kickstarting hour number two, a refresher of the poll questions, we continue with the college football theme. The KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, simply put it, is Texas really back this time? Yes and no. No continues to lead the way at 69% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 31%. Yeah, and I think it's actually a legitimate question this time. Um, we've all been duped before, but I think it's legitimate now after they outcoached, outplayed Alabama last Saturday. We'll answer that question in its entirety around 11.30 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, is Alabama not a legitimate national championship contender? Yes leads the way at 58.3%, no trailing at 41.7%. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off that first question, obviously. Yeah, I think the uh, thing that surprised me the most in that game on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa is that Alabama, I think, got uh, defeated at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. There is a game tonight, Thursday night football, Vikings and the Eagles here. Vikings plus six and a half, Eagles minus six and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app over under sitting at 48 and a half. Let's just quickly look at the injury reports for tonight before we talk about the contest. This is brutal. It is. It's not good. Let's start with the Eagles. Okay, so we know N'Kobe Dean is going to be out for quite some time as he was placed on IR earlier this week. Linebacker there. Blankenship, he's out. James Bradbury, he's out. Kenneth Gainwell, he's out. Fletcher Cox, he's questionable. I'll stop there with the Eagles about some of the players there and their importance to the roster. Well, it's forty, you know, it's fifty percent of their starting secondary right there, uh, and the fact that Gainwell uh, clearly is their running back of a choice just based on Week One, and also I'm told based on the preseason and. Uh, Apparently there had been reports during training camp that he was going to be the guy, uh, even after they traded for DeAndre Swift and paid money for Rashad Penny. And Penny, was he was a healthy scratch uh, the first game, so I guess those two guys are going to be prominent in this particular game. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But those are three real key injuries uh, for the Eagles tonight. Normally... We don't, you know, Thursday night football, we're always talking about the injured players that either can't play or whatever, but it's usually as we get deeper into the season. Uh, but, you know, that's just the Eagles, and you know, I'm sure you're going to check on Minnesota next. 
Yeah, I am. So with the Minnesota Vikings here, you have their center, Garrett Bradbury. He's out. I guess we have the Bradbury game today uh, with both of them being out for the contest. But uh, he missed uh, the he, he was out uh, last week within the first couple of snaps. So that's serious enough that he's going to be missing a second straight contest there. Uh, Christian Darasaw, he is questionable. Marcus Davenport, he is questionable. Right. In fact, uh, you know, Schefter indicated yesterday that he doesn't think that Derisaw is going to be able to play, uh, at least as of yesterday. He's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. I don't even think it's an arguable point that Bradbury and Derisaw are their two best offensive linemen. Uh, they got uh, you know, Davenport to improve their pass rush during the offseason. So those are three key performers that uh, one's playing, not playing for sure, and two others may not play. And here we are, you know, less than a week into the NFL season, first uh, Thursday night game. And you know, you know, last week, I know they played Thursday night, but the first Thursday night game after the season has started. And we're already talking about key injuries in the first Thursday night game. Usually this is a weekly issue once we get deeper into the season. So let's talk a little bit about some narrative things here. So the Vikings uh, lost week one to the Buccaneers, certainly a very disappointing loss for them with the expectations that they have for themselves this year. In addition to it being a home loss, they're now on the road and you don't want to start the year 0-2. Last year, just looking at some statistical numbers here, last year you had the Colts, Bengals, Raiders, Titans, Panthers, and Falcons all starting 0-2 and only the Bengals made the playoffs. Since 2007, 131 teams have started 0-2. 13 have made the playoffs. I understand that with the expanded playoffs here that maybe we're going to see a trend in a different direction because we're dating back to 2007 here and the changes have just been in the last couple of years, but certainly starting 0-2 is not what... Uh, the Vikings are looking for, but maybe they can exploit the middle of the field against the Eagles and uh, TJ Hawkinson can find himself having a big game along with Justin Jefferson, who always has a big game. Not against the Eagles, though, last year. He was awful in this game last year. They got killed in this game last year. He couldn't get open against Darius Slay, and when he did, Cousins didn't get him the ball. Slay had two picks in this game last year, which I think was the Monday night game in week two last year. So it's kind of the same calendar type of thing. Uh, But Jefferson, his worst game last season, he had one catch on five targets when matched up against Slay last year. The other narrative thing here is that uh, Nick Sirianni coming out and talking about uh, no catches for Dallas Goddard, and that's not going to be a thing moving forward. So naturally here, I think people uh, hopped on the bandwagon for the props for uh, Dallas Goddard. Earlier in the week, his uh, reception props yardage was 42.5 yards. It's now sitting up to 48.5 yards, uh, at least at last look this morning here. But I'd have to think... Think, though that based upon how the Eagles I would say offensively didn't look like we've seen them last year against the Patriots would be looking to get Gall- Dallas Goddard involved I believe he used the word guaranteed that that will not happen again you got zero catches I hope that the prop market is correct because I you know drafted Goddard rather highly and you know at least one person in our our, our live draft when we uh 
meet in a bar every year and have our draft. Thought I was nuts uh, driving, uh, drafting Goddard as highly as I did, but I wanted him, and I didn't trust some of the other tight ends, so I did it, and so hopefully he's good. Back to the Eagles offense from last week. Uh, their tackle play was atrocious, uh, which almost never happens. Mylotta and Lane Johnson were both used and really outplayed badly by the really good New England defense. I can't imagine that that's going to happen two weeks in a row. You would think not, but uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, they, were, they were bad last week, both of them. So certainly here that uh, six and a half is a a lot of points here. Maybe it's a potential teaser option at six and a half for you if you like it, pairing it with something else. Uh, But I I do think that at least on paper here, the Eagles, despite some of the key injuries that we discussed, uh, do have a little bit more talent here on the roster. I think they have more talent. There is zero chance. I, I didn't think for one second about betting on this game. So I'm not interested uh, as far as any kind of wagering opportunity or even a suggestion uh, because those guys that are out for the Eagles are key players. That game is an Amazon Prime contest today at uh, 5.10 p.m. on Amazon Prime to kickstart week number two in the NFL. On the other side of the break, we'll take your phone calls if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll dive into the Arizona Diamondbacks as they continue the series with the Mets. It wraps up today with Merrill Kelly on the mound. So we'll take a look at that, how things are now shaking out in the National League wild card race. And we'll go around Major League Baseball as well. Your phone calls, 602-260-1060, Diamondbacks and baseball discussion up next. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Eleven. 11- 18 right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point on this Thursday, September 14th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll get into some Arizona Diamondbacks discussion as they face the Mets yesterday. They'll wrap up the series in an afternoon contest starting at 1.10 p.m. today. But first, as promised, it's phone call time. 602-260-1060 is the number. Let's pop on out to the KDOS hotline with Al in Phoenix. What's on your mind today, Al? Hi, Caleb. Hi, Bob. Uh, well, Bob, you finally you won me over. I'm now uh, in a situation where I'm thinking Jed Fish is not uh, is not the answer for the U of A to continual problems as a lower tier program. Um, and I think that they're kind of a downer on the Pac-12, which is I, I would argue the Pac-12 or the conference is, is definitely better this year. Yeah, I I agree with all that. Uh, Obviously, I've been, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily anti-Jed Fish. I just don't understand the people 
lot of people among my friends in Tucson, some of them season ticket holders and boosters at the U of A for the U of A sports programs. They think he's the guy that's going to you know, take them to prominence. I don't care if they're playing. and Maybe if they were in the Mountain West Conference after this yeah. year, they could maybe do that. Uh, but you know, it's, he's not good. Uh, he's a terrible game day coach. I think he, the one thing he's done is he can prove he's proven he can recruit guys that can play offense. Uh, but you know, they've got like maybe one or two good defenders and that's about it. And I just don't understand the, and he's a terrible game game day coach. They do some of the dumbest stuff all the time. I remember the first, like, I don't, was it the first game that they, the first game he played or coach was, was that the NAU game that they lost? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I remember way back, whenever that game was against NAU, one of the reasons NAU won that game is that U of A had a bunch of stupid defensive offside penalties. That happens every game. We're talking three years later. Uh, It happened Saturday night again in Starkville against Mississippi State, and it happened against NAU the first week this season. How many times with different players and different defensive coaches do you have a you know, it's the same the, the constants the head coach here, just you, how can you just jump off the offside on defense all the time? It seems. <laughs> right. Yeah, mine's some Cardinals teams, uh, but uh, you know the uh, on the other side, Colorado. I've been you know, of course they've only played two games, but I'm I'm, I'm drinking the the Dion Kool Aid. I mean they do have that that's two weeks where they have to play Oregon and USC in a row, and right. That, That'll be interesting. I mean, if they emerge unscathed from that, well, you know. Well, if they emerge unscathed from that, I mean, Dion's going to be coaching the Cowboys in two weeks. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm just hoping uh, that, you know, I hope Colorado wins by 100 this week uh, because I will almost for sure be on Oregon when they play against Colorado next week. You know, I haven't seen enough of his son playing quarterback, but some people are really hyping him, hyping him up. No, recently. He, he's really good. I mean, he, I mean, he's very good. Uh, I mean, he's got incredible presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he throws the ball obviously accurately. I'm just afraid he's going to get killed uh, because their offensive line's not good, and he's been hit a lot in the first two games. TCU has no defense. I actually think Nebraska's defense is pretty good. Uh, but you know they they've he's been hit a lot of times. He does probably hold on to the ball too long, but I'm guessing there's a whole lot of college quarterbacks with his kind of uh, skill set and talent level. They think they're just going to make a play every snap. Uh, he needs to kind of get rid of the ball sometimes, and he also their offensive line's not good. And last thing, you kind of had me thinking, believing, believing a little bit that Stanford was a somewhat back, but then you know they. Well, their quarterback got hurt in the first quarter. I mean, oh, right. I never said their defense was any. I never said their defense was any good. Okay, uh, but yeah, quarterback got hurt in the first quarter of that uh, game against USC, and uh, I didn't even. I can't remember the quarterbacks. And Lewis, maybe is his name. The number, the first team guy. You know, I had no idea. God knows who the second. You know, only his parents know who the second team quarterback <laughs> for Stanford is. Fair enough. All right. Well, well, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Kayla.
Thank you. 602-260-1060 is the number as always to chime in. It's interesting. I knew you were joking about coaching the Cowboys in two weeks, uh, but not, I, I maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I guess he did sit down with Joel Klatt because uh, obviously they had their games the first two on the big noon kickoff and the impression that Joel Klatt took away from it and he was so confident in it that he actually I think mentioned it on the Colin Cowherd show is that Dion has no desire to coach in the NFL that he feels like he wants to be a mentor to to the college okay. kids and uh, in some ways views himself as being like a father figure to, to some of these players. Well, he used to be a high school coach uh, before he got the latest, you know, the you know the you know the FCS job and now at CU. So I think that part's true. But uh, if they're successful the next couple of years, and now I'm not sure even sure Sanders' kid is going to stay. Uh, for another, he's got another year if he wants to eligibility wise to keep playing in college. Uh, but you know, so that might get him to stay for another year at CU. But if they're any good this year, uh, the first SEC job that opens uh, is going to be you know, is Dion going there. That would be really fun, uh, unless you're Billy Napier. Is if the Florida job opens, would Dion actually go to Florida, <laughs> uh, being a Florida State guy? And you know, of course, you know Florida State. Look, he's not going there now because you know they've they've got that. You know, Norvell's got that figured out. Uh, so it's interesting that you know two Nate and Napier and and obviously, you know the uh, you know, and Norvell both used to be Todd Graham assistants. That's true there too. Uh, yeah, someone did ask me if uh, I thought that Dion would stay after his his kid decides to move on, and I was like, I think um, if he does decide to stay, he'll stay through that point. But if he continues to have success, then another bigger opportunity in college oh, will be on yeah. the horizon for him. There's no chance he's staying at Colorado if they're good uh, after his kid leaves. So th- there's zero chance either a Big Ten school. Or an SEC school uh, will pay him, and uh, I don't think there's any chance that that would actually happen. That he stays. Six zero two two sixty ten sixty. That's the number to chime in. Uh, we'll switch gears here to Major League Baseball and talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, they fell to the New York Mets yesterday, seven to one. Corbin Carroll sat after being zero for ten to start the series. It was a Zach Allen start. He went five innings, eight hits, seven runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and one home run. That's not exactly what you're looking for from from your ace when the pitching staff in general. We we chronicled that for as long as we possibly can uh so you're looking for zach allen and merrill kelly to really step up big doesn't matter if they don't hit uh and their offense i've said this many times uh since the all-star break their their offense really hasn't been good since july the first uh and yeah you know, the last two nights they are uh i got the numbers here i, I swear i have the numbers here because i used them in the sports zone i'm trying three for 21 with runners in scoring position the last two nights, including one for 11 last night. These are against two guys that were minor league pitchers less than a month ago. In fact, Luke Casey wasn't even on their the Mets roster until yesterday when they activated him for this game because they pushed, uh, pushed Singa back for another day to today. Uh, I don't, I never heard the reason why they pushed him back a day, but they did. Uh, so it's not like they're going against Scherzer and Verlander here. Uh, it's against B- Budo and Lucchese. And, uh, you know, they've scored five runs and they're three for 21 runners in scoring position in those games. 
uh, you know, it doesn't really matter who's pitching or not because you're not going to be able to overcome that ever. It is an afternoon game to wrap up the series 110. Merrill Kelly and, as you mentioned, Senga are the pitchers. Yesterday across Major League... One more, one more thing about Senga. He dominated the Diamondbacks. Probably the best pitch game against the Diamondbacks this season is when he pitched against the Diamondbacks on July the 5th. In eight innings, uh, the Diamondbacks got one run on four hits. He only walked one guy. And Senga, who is a rookie as far as the major leagues are concerned after pitching in several years in Japan, he struck out a season high and career high in the major leagues, 12 in that game. He dominated the Diamondbacks the first time he faced them. Uh, so for yesterday here, uh, the Rockies beat the Cubs 7-3. to The Guardians fell to the Giants 6-5. to The Reds beat the Tigers 4-3. to And the Marlins 2-0 over the Brewers. So this shook things up in regards to the ever-changing National League wildcard race. So you have the Phillies holding their position firm at 79-67. and The Cubs at 78-69. and Then the Diamondbacks 76-71. and The Reds 76-71. and The Marlins. Marlins now 75 and 71, a half game back. So too are the Giants. Well, you said ever changing. They're they're changing as we speak because uh, the Reds and the Brewers are both losing as we speak. Uh, so those games are currently ongoing. Yeah, as I mentioned, the uh, and my, Miami's Miami's winning the game. I should I should rephrase that differently. Miami's winning the game right now. It's like the second inning, uh, but uh, they're winning the game in Milwaukee. They scored in the first inning. And then uh, the Reds are actually, you know, they can't win every day against bad teams. Even though they've been pretty good at beating bad teams this year, but they're losing 3 nothing in the fifth inning at Detroit. Uh, some other contests that are happening today. The Giants now are at the Rockies. It's going to be Logan Webb getting the start here against Chase Anderson uh, in terms of following along with those in the National League for this ever-changing wildcard race. Well, you mentioned the Rockies. They won the last two days against the Cubs, and... Yeah, the Cubs are, uh, going back to the Cubs for a second, uh, they're a team that clearly looks like they're gassed. Uh, they have today off, and then they come here, and they play the three games against the Diamondbacks this weekend. The Diamondbacks, I'm sure, are not thrilled with the scheduling situation here. Not only do they play in New York today before they fly across the country and start a three-game series against the Cubs starting tomorrow night, uh, they're also playing a 1 o'clock game our time, 4 o'clock East Coast. I'm sure the Diamondbacks would have much preferred a you know, 10 a.m., 1 p.m. start, depending on your time zone. So that's not good for them. Uh, the Cubs have played 70, uh, yeah, I had it here, 27 straight days uh, because of some rain-out uh, make-up games. You're not, the collective bargaining agreement, the players actually have to agree on such a thing with the makeups, but... They really didn't have much of a choice because of those games. Uh, they're you know, make up or rain out from early in the season. So they literally had played 27 consecutive games until today. They have today off, but they look like a, a team. And I, I didn't even realize this until yesterday. Yeah, maybe that was one of the reasons. You know, nothing against the Diamondbacks here, but the Diamondbacks did win three out of four against the Cubs over the weekend. And then the Cubs have now lost two out of three at Colorado. They look like a team that just needs a break, and uh, today is their break, I guess. 
Over in the American League, so yesterday you had the Rays beating the Twins 5-4, the Cardinals beating the Orioles 1-0, the Mariners beating the Angels 3-2, the Rangers beating the Blue Jays 10-0, and the Astros avoiding getting swept by the A's winning 6-2. I'll stop with the Rangers and the Blue Jays. Uh, They continue their series today with Nathan Ovaldi on the mound against Kevin Gosman, but the news particular to Texas, Max Scherzer, a low-grade strain of the terrace major muscle connecting the scapula to the humerus so he won't pitch the rest of the regular season and their general manager saying that he is unlikely to pitch in the postseason if they are to make it to the postseason okay all that medical description is why you know i remember i took a class early in my college days uh that i i'm completely in over in over my head in this class i gotta get out of this uh so there we go uh, but uh, as far as uh, the, the big thing in the American League right now is, is you know, the Rays, you know, they, they won that game yesterday. Uh, that was a, you know, they blew, they tried to blow it. They were up five, four, nothing. And then it, uh, they had to go to extra innings and then Rosa Arena hit like the longest home run, almost literally in the history of target field. They win that game. They begin a four game series tonight uh, against the Orioles. The Orioles for the first time in a very long time, have uh, dominated the season series to this point, but they begin the last four games they play this year against the uh, Rays, at least in the regular season. The Rays and the uh, Orioles facing off. That starts tonight, and this is a really, really big deal. And I actually am a little surprised that the Rays are this close because they've had all the pitching injuries that we've chronicled, and now they've got some relief pitching injuries that we haven't chronicled that I probably, probably, I probably should have mentioned in more detail before, but I did bring it up yesterday at least. So I don't know if the Rays, like I said, I'm surprised that they are this close. The Orioles have helped them out a little bit here because they haven't played as well uh, down the the last uh, couple of weeks in the stretch run here. But, uh, you know, so we'll see. This should be fun, fun four games. Uh, hopefully today uh, is good. Uh, tomorrow's good because I won't be able to, you know, I'm football impaled basically. <laughs> on a Saturday and Sunday. So I'm not going to be watching those two games, but hopefully I'll be entertained uh, you know, Thursday and Friday with the Orioles and the Rays. That's right. Aaron Savali up against Kyle Bradish. And just a look at what's going on in the American League. You have the Orioles 91 and 54, the Astros 83 and 64, the Twins 76 and 70. In that wild card positions, you have the Rays at 90 and 57, the Rangers 81 and 64, the Mariners 81 and 65. And on the outside looking in, it is the Blue Jays at 80 and 66, one game back. So certainly, um, jockeying for position in these uh, wild card battles. It is poll question time on the other side of the break. College football themed poll questions. So we'll dive into those next. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you right here on KDOSAM1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Download the app today, register, and follow along with the listener reward opportunity for you as a $100 gift certificate is up for grabs now through the end of September, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Like I said, poll questions, they're next.
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Eleven thirty-eight here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. We dive into poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question. It is college football themed, and the question, drum roll, please, is Texas really back this time? Yes or no, Bob? Uh, I'm going to say yes, and this is a question I've been completely avoiding for years. I've been falling into the trap since uh, whatever year it was when Texas won the home opener against Notre Dame in the standalone game, and then Notre Dame turned out to be a really mediocre team that particular season. Uh, so that game meant nothing. Uh, didn't The win didn't mean jack pretty quickly, like two, three weeks later. And Texas, they weren't back that year. And, uh, you know, it was the infamous, uh, you know, they won the bowl game and, you know, their quarterback proclaimed that they're back. And that wasn't the case then either. But now I actually think the, there's, I think it's at least a legitimate reason to ask the question, uh, which I've avoided for a long time. Uh, you know, not only did they win at Alabama, they had 21 fourth quarter points. They were clearly the better team. They dominated the line of scrimmage. Uh, Quinn Ewers um, thought showed poise. Uh, I'm positive I've never said that before. Uh, and also accuracy with some really good throws. Uh, excellent receivers, which we knew that part. Uh, but you know, all those things happened, and uh, they were clearly the better team on Saturday night and clearly deserved to win by double digits. So my question here first is, when we talk about back, does that mean like winning a national championship? Does that mean making the top four? Does that mean not embarrassing themselves? Like, what, what do we mean by like, are they back? So I guess when I have to try to figure out what it means, uh, I'm going to say Quinn Ewers, to your point, he looked terrific. He took a major step forward in his progression as a quarterback. Some really nice throws in that Bama game and, and poise to your point. Uh, in addition to that, it looks like they do have NFL talent like all over the roster and they're being utilized properly so uh really good things there from uh, that texas squad here they have the chance to wrap up this schedule uh by kind of running the tables here because uh it you know the big 12 hasn't started off to be to be great uh last i saw i think to win the big 12 it was like minus 130 or something like that which i guess the the number hasn't quite adjusted just yet but i would say that uh i don't want to overreact because we tend to do this here with Texas and my questions a little bit about where Alabama is currently at but it was a great win you went into their place uh, so I would say yes okay a couple things yeah first up yeah to answer your question about the question uh, I would think back would be at least win the big 12 which they have not done I think since 2009 when they actually went to the national championship game when Mac Brown was still there and that's a game that Colt McCoy got hurt against Alabama in the first quarter and they ended up losing that game by – actually, the score you know, at the end was pretty close, but they fell behind big early in that game. So I think that's that part. Uh, as far as uh, you know, the, 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 the current Big 12, I think Kansas State's still 
a really good team, and I'm hoping that Texas wins every game by 1,000 points before they play them. I think it's in November because I'll be on Kansas State in that game if I can get any kind of nice point spread situation there, and I would think at this rate uh, the number just keeps going up and up and up every week, even though I think Kansas State was kind of a, you know, Troy is a good team uh, as far as, a, you know, not the major, you know, power five. They won t- uh, double-digit games last year, and, and Kansas State dominated Troy last week, which was an impressive win. And there's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully this continues. Uh, Oklahoma should be 5-0 and zero when they play Texas in the Red River. I guess we're not allowed to say that anymore. Uh, I don't know what the hell they call it now. It used to be, you know, the Red River shootout back in the day, but politically correct, you're not allowed. That's not the term anymore. They don't even use that, except I just used it then. So my bad. But anyway, they should, OU should be five and zero when they play Texas uh, later. You know, that's the first week of October, if I'm not mistaken, or soon. Uh, the the way the calendar works this year, I think it might even be the second week of October. Whenever the hell they play in Dallas, uh, both those teams should be undefeated. Uh, you will go to the masses here, KDOS1060.com, and no, out in front at 67% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 33%. Uh, flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, and continuing with the college football theme, is Alabama not a legitimate national championship contender? Um, you know, I, I, there's it's been an interesting interesting ebb and flow here with Alabama because you come off of having Bryce Young at quarterback. You come off of having Tua at quarterback. You come off at having some of these uh, quarterbacks here. You come off of having some really elite wide receivers. And for the last couple of years, you haven't had those wide receivers at that position here. Uh, Even like defensively, some of the, the key cogs of what Alabama has been known for developing these sorts of players, it's it hasn't kind of come to fruition here. I'm not saying Alabama is, uh, so it's just like Georgia has kind of, I think we could have the conversation maybe surpassed Alabama at this point, but we'll see how things kind of unfold. I would say though, the way that they looked that that makes them not currently a national championship contender. I would agree with you. I also don't think there's any question that Georgia surpassed Alabama. Uh, you know, not only have they won the last two national championships, they've also recruited almost as well, if not better, depending on which recruiting service you most believe in, uh, in the last you know, two, three years. And uh, I think that the recruiting services that have uh, you know not had Alabama number one. Uh, or actually been accurate because not I don't th- I think quarterbacks like the least of their issues here. I don't know if Milrow is any good or not, quite frankly, but I don't really think that's a factor because their offensive line is without question not close to what we've seen for Alabama really probably during the entire Saban era. I don't know if they have any running backs that can really do anything if they have room to run. And their wide receivers for the last couple, three years, at least you know, two years, because you know, Williams was still there two, three years ago before he got hurt in the national championship uh, game. But you know, their, their wide receiving the last two seasons, those guys aren't anywhere near what we've seen of wide receiver for Alabama for pretty much the entire Saban era. And then uh, the lack of playmakers on defense, you know, they, they were outplayed in every way last week. 
the, the thing that was probably most surprising to me, uh, well, there's two things, the offensive line situation. And the other thing is I thought that Texas was far more athletic uh, than Alabama was. And, you know, the, the, the one that I, yeah, I'm with you on the, the answer here. I don't think they're a legitimate national championship contender, but the one hope for Alabama here is I'm not really sure how many legitimate national can, uh, championship contenders there are. Uh, you know, you, we went through the rankings in the last hour, uh, the top teams, well, you know, Georgia and Michigan haven't played anybody. Ohio state, their offense, you know, their offensive line is atrocious. So those have been three guy, three teams that have you know, been annual contenders here in uh, the last two, three, four longer years in some cases than uh, than you know, Michigan's the last two years. But you know, other than those schools, who's a national championship contender? You know, the Pac-12 is off to a nice start, but my concern, if I'm the if the Pac-12 commissioner or the Pac-12 powers to be, whoever they might be these days, still care, uh, are they just going to knock each other off and not have any team in the college football playoff? Yeah, because you've got to look at where Alabama has some, uh, you know, opponents upcoming in the SEC. I mean, you know, is their yeah, biggest factor got a tough schedule? Right. Yeah. So there's there's a lot there uh, upcoming here for Alabama. The masses though are on the yes side of things at fifty eight point three percent of the vote. No trailing at forty one point seven percent. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM ten sixty. Uh, we'll have no chance of getting this bit of news in tomorrow because, of course, it's going to be Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, but I wanted to give it a, a few minutes of my of our time here. Uh, so first and foremost, let's start with the Phoenix Suns. It officially has been announced that 70 games will be on Arizona's family. The first contest will take place Saturday, October 28th versus Utah 3 TV. Uh, 12 games on national broadcast, seven on TNT, four on ABC, and one on ESPN. For the local contests, on television, it'll once again be Kevin Ray, Eddie Johnson, and Ann Myers Drysdale. Pre-game and post-game will be Tom Chambers and Tom Leander. And with Al McCoy retiring on radio, John Bloom steps in in a full-time radio play-by-play yeah. alongside Tim Kempton. So uh, congratulations there to John Bloom uh, getting that full-time position there. He's a really good dude. I um, mean, I haven't seen him that much over the last couple of years, but uh you know, got to know him a little bit uh, when he was around the Cardinals some and with the Suns. And uh, so I'm very glad that he got that opportunity. Yeah, hopefully Al has a you know, fun retirement and uh, a long retirement and uh, so forth. We love Al. Uh, but I'm glad John got this opportunity. And then the next big news around the NBA here is that there, um, the NBA Board of Governors adopted new right. rules in an attempt to curb yeah. load management. You ready for these five here? Well, first of all, well, we actually, have- actually, actually, I got into this a little bit during the uh, first hour today. So, yeah, I'm aware of what's going on. Also, I want to quickly point out, I don't think there's any chance in hell they're going to be able to enforce this. Yeah. So first of all, you have to figure out what a star is. So a star defined by these rules is an all-star or an all-NBA team member in any of the previous three seasons. So then, therefore, no more than one star player for each team is unavailable for the same game. Uh, So, for instance, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they both can't be sitting for the same game. 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. This is what this rule is for. These two guys, specifically. Teams must ensure that uh, star players are available for national television games and this in-season tournament that they are obviously pushing this year. Number three, teams must maintain a balance between the number of one-game absences for a star player in home games and road games with a preference for these absences to happen in home games Uh, because when teams travel, people buy tickets to see certain players and then they find out later that they're not playing, so trying to curb that. Number four, teams must refrain from any long-term shutdown or near shutdown when a star player stops participating in games or a reduced role affecting the integrity of the game. The example that was provided here was actually last year with uh, the Wizards when they shut down Bradley Beal for the last 10 or so games of the season. Number five. My my problem. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to force this. I know the NBA. Well, I think we have lost Bob there. Number five, we'll get him back here in break. Number five, uh, teams must ensure that healthy players resting are present and visible to fans. Uh, When it comes to trying to enforce this and what the numbers are going to be, for the first time offense, it'll be an $100,000 fine. Second, it'll be a $250,000 fine. Third, it'll be a $1.25 million fine. And any and after of these particular uh, egregious errors on teams' ways, it'll be increasing by $1 million. Obviously, this is all in an attempt, though, in the negotiations ahead of their new media rights deals, trying to make sure that there's an emphasis on these nationally televised broadcasts to make sure that the star players are going to be playing. And obviously, the NBA is trying to maximize what those contract deals can look like here upcoming. We wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here. One more segment to go on this Thursday, September 14th. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Thursday, September 14th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, I think we have you. It's thank you time. Okay, we'll give this a shot here. Uh, As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today. Around college football, David Kenyon, a Bleacher Report. We covered Texas and Alabama, the Pac-12, the SEC, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and other things. Not much other than those things. That's a lot. Also, tomorrow at 9.15, we'll preview the uh, Sunday Ravens and Bengals game with Luke Jones from WNST.net. Uh, 
uh, from Baltimore. Lots of injury situations and uh, updates we'll be trying to get from the Ravens. Hopefully at that time they'll have actually filed an injury report, but probably not. But we'll have a pretty good idea of whether some of these injured Ravens will be able to play or not in game number two. Sound courtesy today of ESPN, Major League Baseball, Fox, NBC, uh, Tex 105.3, and also Bally Sports uh, Arizona. Uh, just Bally Sports, uh, well, that's what, we, that's what it says here. Bally Sports Arizona, which doesn't exist anymore. But that's okay. Uh, actually, I guess it does, right? The channel's still on. Uh, just there's nothing to really watch on that channel uh special thanks as always to kayla and uh, Corey and aaron and kayla's gonna tell us what's coming up next that's right coming up next from noon to one o'clock it is sports map radio network followed by the doug gottlieb show from one to three the rich eisen show from three to five and the sports who with dave rooster bierstein from five to six uh things happening the diamondbacks at the mets merrill kelly versus kodai senga 110 start dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that best uh, fits you vikings at eagles tonight 5 15 p.m on amazon prime uh last i saw you had a uh, uh, six and a half as the number there with the Eagles uh, lay uh, as the favorites. You also have some other NFL news here. Cam Hayward is having surgery today to repair his torn groin. Uh, should be missing about eight weeks. That's not great news. This is, this is a really big deal. That, to me, this is the second biggest injury in the NFL on week one, except you know, after you get past, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers thing. Uh, then you have the Seahawks placing right tackle Abe Lucas on IR, so he will miss uh, at least four games. That's not great news for them. Right. Well, they lost both their tackles in that first game, and I'm not sure if, uh, you know, well, one of them, obviously, Lucas isn't playing, and I've gone completely, you know, blank and can't remember the left tackle's name, but I'm not sure he's playing either. They obviously signed Jason Peters, who's 41 years old, and I guess he's going to have to play this week. Oh, man. I mean, he you talked about him yesterday, and you're definitely right about him and how good he is. Uh, but 41 years old, that's a lot to ask. And uh, you're thinking about Charles Cross there as the that's Seahawks it. left tackle. Yeah. It's Friday Spread. That's correct. Brought to you by Von Sorry. Hansen's Meats and Spirits tomorrow. We'll do it again. A $100 gift certificate up for grabs. Plus, you come with your pick for the weekend. We're 2-0 and so far, so uh, let's keep the streak rolling. We'll dive into it tomorrow and have some fun in that Friday edition of Extra Point. Talk to you then.